Hey everybody, this is Nathan. Welcome into this week's edition of Tuesdays Are For Talking. This week, I had the opportunity to sit down with four good friends, Sheila Chopin, Mike Yates, Clyde Haynes, Craig Haley, and we had the opportunity to talk business in the era of COVID. Unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties, we actually lost audio from two of our guests. So what you will be hearing is just an interview with Clyde and Craig, though Sheila, Mike, we so appreciate your participation. Clyde Haynes is a chief talent development business partner at National Instruments, where he works with leaders in HR and on the business side. He's also an independent consultant, serves as an executive and performance coach. Clyde has a variety of talents and insights and wisdom to bring to us today. Craig Haley is the COO of KNN Management, a local restaurant management company who runs a couple of my favorite restaurants, Rudy's Barbecue and Mighty Fine. Craig is a leader in business and a leader in our community. I know that you're going to enjoy this conversation, so let's get to it. Here we go. Well, I'm so excited to be on this podcast today. I've got some more good friends. Man, I'm just realizing as I'm seven weeks into this podcast thing, I have a lot of awesome friends. That's who I've just been talking to my friends from Mosaic Church over the last few weeks. And it's a great church. It's a great community. And every week I get some new people to talk to that, that I already know, but I'm excited for you to get to know. And I'm going to start first with Craig Haley. Craig, just tell us a little about yourself, man, what you do for a living in the business world. I'm the COO of a local restaurant company here in Austin, Texas. It's Rudy's Barbecue and Mighty Fine Burgers. And I've been there for a little bit over 20 years. And I have a beautiful wife and four teenage kids right now who are all quarantining at home. Clyde Haynes, how are you today? I'm doing well, Nathan. Thank you. Awesome, man. Tell us a little about yourself. I first started at Mosaic back in 2000. I always tell everyone that Morgan was my campus minister. Uh, a long time ago, and then went to New York as part of the Every Nation Church there and came back in 2012. So I've been back at Mosaic for about eight years, you know, and have loved the journey, loved the church. And then during the day, I work in HR and talent development. So I help people grow and learn in their career and then strategize for the business. And then kind of my side hustle, if you will, is I'm an executive coach and career coach for people in transition and executives who are stuck. Man, we are really glad to have you here today. Definitely going to talk about some of that stuff that you do in a little bit more detail. Talk through how you go about even just approaching that as a, as a person of faith and as a leader. Being part of a global HR team, we've been thinking about this quite a bit. And what do we do for our, our employees who are located? For us, it's Shanghai and Tokyo and Penang. And how do we help them navigate this? Like you said, this is unprecedented. And I think one thing that has made it unprecedented is the fact that you've got people who not only are they being displaced from the actual office, but they're at home with loved ones and they can't go out and, you know, during the day, there's all this new worry, right? Worry about food, worry about mm. their family. And so we've had to adjust and we've had to talk to our leadership about adjusting some of those expectations around just the fact that, you know, productivity is going to look a little different. And there's some of those expectations around when you work and how you work and new ways of working is, has been a popular topic of conversation kind of at the, at the leadership level. Um, Moving down to a little bit of a local level here with Craig. So, you know, as Craig mentioned, he helps run a, some of our favorite restaurants in town here, Mighty Fine Burgers, Fries and Shakes and Rudy's Barbecue. And of course, the restaurant industry has been able to stay open, but that doesn't mean that everything has been business as usual. Tell us what it's been like for you guys uh, running those restaurants here in town. 
Yeah, it's been quite a challenge. Probably on the opposite end of what most people are experiencing is that we're getting out and going to work every day in an environment that is really scary. You know, our, our people are being bombarded with fear and it's also very important that we stay open. You know, you know, I don't think people completely understand how the food chain works, but if all the restaurants shut down, there would really be even more pressure put on the grocery stores. But we've been working since it really, for us, it really started right around the spring break time period. And we understood that, okay, things were gonna change and they were gonna change significantly in, in the restaurant industry. Our dining rooms were about to be closed we had that idea probably four or five days before it happened. And for us as a leadership team, it created a lot of fear and we were scared. We might have to close the doors and we might lose all of our people for a time period. So our first challenge was that, how do we keep the doors open? How, how do we preserve as many jobs as possible? And also, and even more importantly, how do we keep our guests and our people safe? So we spent, hundreds of hours in that first week working on that just considering that and luckily we had that time beforehand to to spend to get ready for it but it, it was tough it's been quite a challenge and it's unprecedented there's been nothing like this that we've ever experienced and hopefully we never experience it again I was reading some headlines earlier this morning, and and they just sort of speak to the moment of where we are. I'll just read a few of them for you. One said, you know, to say that Wall Street's in a precarious position at this moment would be an understatement. Another said, legendary economist Gary Schilling says, don't be fooled by the market's recent bounce and warn stocks could drop 40% next year. Another, you know, famed economist David Rosenberg, who nailed the housing crash back in 2008, he says this crisis won't end as quickly. And he starts going on to say that it's going to take three years and beyond to recover. Apple, for the first time since 2003, failed to provide financial guidance to investors. A mind-boggling 30 million people have filed for unemployment in six weeks, and there are likely more without jobs. From across the pond, we, we read just this morning, three quarters of British truckers expected to go out of business within just two more months due to the coronavirus outbreak. We see headlines like this every single day. And, you know, again, part of the reason that, that we're having this podcast is because a lot of people have been affected by things like furlough, laid off, underemployed, hours cut. Craig, I'll just stay with you for a second. If you don't mind sharing, how has that affected the way that you guys have managed all of your partners? Well, I mean, honestly, that's been one of the biggest challenges that we faced is, is how to preserve jobs, what to do with our people, how to keep the doors open. And at the very beginning, we did have to, to furlough some people. We, we had to lay some people off. A restaurant dropped in sales more than 50%. Both of our restaurants dropped immediately, you know, from one day to the next. And so the, the way that we went about it was re really last in. The last people that came on board were the ones that, that we were, that we furloughed. And we lost about 10 to 12% of our workforce just within days of when the mayor closed our dining rooms. The good news about that is, is we've been able over the last six weeks to hire everyone back, or, or at least the same amount of people back. We've had a few people that didn't want to return, but that's been an incredible blessing for us. And one of the things that we just look at and say, thank you, thank you God for allowing us to continue to create jobs in this market. But those are the toughest days that I've faced as a leader was 
we're, we're a company we've we've never stopped growing. So this is the first time we've ever had to deal with layoffs or furloughs or you know those words were were not even in our lexicon before this happened. But through this time period, uh, those challenges we've we've met them. We we made the right choices, I believe, and we've been able to to hire most of those folks back. Well, man, there's definitely some silver lining in that, and you know, just hearing you talk, you can you can hear the sort of the the pain in your voice of even having to walk through that. and know how much you care about your people, and that's that's been obviously the hardest thing of this whole thing is the the human cost, not just in terms of what the virus has brought about in people's bodies, but what the virus has brought about in people's bank accounts and their in their businesses and their job opportunities. Clyde, I know that you you know you spend a lot of time in training people helping people to grow in their skill sets, helping people to, to make jumps. There's probably going to be a lot of people making career jumps right now. You know, something that they were in is not as viable as it was. And maybe they're, they're looking to, to do something completely different. What would you say to somebody in that kind of situation where what, what they used to do just doesn't seem possible to do anymore? That's a great question, Nathan. I think the first thing I would tell them is that this is hard, right? You know, if you've ever been laid off, you know, that the emotional process is really challenging, especially at first. So I, the first thing I would tell them is if you're approaching that, you know, don't be shocked and understand that that's part of the process, the feelings. I usually tell kind of my clients or the people I work with who've been laid off is that sometimes you just have to take a week and process that grief, sometimes too. However, I also tell them that literally every single person that I've worked with who has been laid off, has found themselves in transition. They've all gotten a new career, a new job, and they're all happier for it. That's super hard to hear in the beginning, but in this time, this is a great moment. If you find yourself in, in one of those unemployed or underemployed positions and you're thinking, you know, what I've been doing for the last whatever isn't really viable anymore, this is an opportunity to reinvent yourself, to find that thing that you are passionate about, and to make a jump, to retrain yourself. It takes a lot of hard work, and I I honestly tell people that this is an opportunity and a moment for you to really press in to your faith, to, to get connected with God, because that's ultimately where the strength is going to come from. But on the other end of this, there's this great opportunity for you to find that thing that that's new and energizing and starting to think about, well, what is the world going to look like tomorrow? What are the new industries that are going to come about because of this and the opportunities that God has brought to me? So there's some hope at the end of this, but I don't discount the fact that this is an incredibly difficult kind of moment to be in. Craig, it seems to me that, you know, with restaurants in particular having to find ways to operate in, in a whole new environment, there's got to be some some innovation and some creativity that's happening in the midst of that. What are you seeing in, in your industry, maybe even within and outside of your own company? Yeah, even before this, we knew that, that our guests' preferences were changing, that the curbside and delivery were increasing, and, and they were actually increasing exponentially even before this. So as this came about, and basically we were forced to, to put all of our efforts into that curbside and those delivery options, uh, we had to learn quick. I mean, the people that learned quick are still in business today, and the folks that didn't learn quick are really struggling right now. 
and, and many of them had to close their doors. So it, it's been nonstop. I mean, it, the, the way that we look at it is every day we have to change what we did the previous day. You know, there's this urgency to improvement and this urgency to change that forces us to look at what we just did, you know, what just happened today and what can we do tomorrow that would be better for our guests. So we've seen tremendous improvement. We're doing about 80 times as many curbside and delivery orders as we were before this happened. But we're doing them today faster than we ever could have imagined six, seven weeks ago. So what we've said, we use this term called rally cry, and it actually just started in our company. It's Patrick Lencioni is, is a guy who, who put it out there. Great podcast, by the way, for anybody that's interested. Uh, but a rally cry is, is really that this, your organizational focus. It's your one thematic idea that everybody in your organization knows about and is working on. So we created a rally cry about four weeks ago that said, we're going to be better. When we open the dining rooms, we're going to be better than we've ever been. We're, we're going to improve ourselves in ways that we never thought possible. And so we've been working on that every day as an organization at every level. Everyone knows about this rally cry and it, it makes it hard because because you're changing every day. You know, you know, today's not like yesterday, but it also has really increased our ability to improve rapidly. So we're, we're seeing really good things come out of this as far as those new avenues of revenue that that will continue on after COVID ends, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. And um, sorry just to stay here with you, Craig. It's just so interesting in the timing of all of this, because as we sit here and record this podcast, we're one day into phase one of reopening Texas, which of course affected your industry yesterday. And you guys did open your dining room. Tell us a little bit more about like what that's like, what the new restrictions are, and how that's affecting you. Yeah. So that's a big day for us. I mean, we've been, we've been looking forward to our dining rooms open for since they closed, obviously. It's a big part of our business. And it, it's really the way that we interact with our guests in the best way. So when the governor announced on Monday that we'd be opening on Friday, we were ready. I mean, we've been working on how we're gonna be ready to open since, you know, at least for the last four weeks. So we're prepared, we're ready, we're gonna, we're gonna sanitize and keep things clean to a level that we know that our people are safe and that our guests are safe. But it, it also created you know, a little bit of fear because we were like, well, how busy are we going to be? And are there going to be lines out the door and what's going to happen? And so with only a, the ability to, to seat 25% of people, it created this unknown. So we did open and it went incredibly well. And it was the busiest day that we've had since we our dining rooms closed. But very little of it was actually people coming in and, and dining in. That was a small portion. I believe that we're going to have to earn people's trust back over the next month or so. But but overall, things are looking much better right now for the restaurant industry as a whole. And, and hopefully that continues. I mean, I mean, we're all worried about, about an idea that if, if it gets too lax, then, then we may have to go back to what we were doing. But for now, what's happened in our business, reopening the dining rooms, being prepared, we, we feel like we're safe and ready to go. I'm really glad to hear that. I know I love me some Rudy's and so glad you guys are doing well and on on the uptick there. Clyde, Craig just said something really interesting. He said, we have to earn people's trust back. 
One of the things that's happened over the last six to 10 weeks, depending on what business you're in and where you are, is that people have moved from working in an office space to their homes. Something that many companies have dipped their toe in the water on. Some have retracted that toe. They started, they had them working from home for a few years. They, they pulled back out. But now it was sort of forced on everyone, you know, work from home or don't work at all. In, in this season, I know probably there's still a lot of people acclimating. Talk to us a little bit about, from an HR perspective, what you're looking for in terms of, you know, earning the trust of your people that, that that they're working from home, that they can still produce from home and maybe help people who are struggling with that, with some good ideas on how to be as effective as possible while working in an entirely new environment with a lot of distractions. You know, Nathan, you, you bring up a really good point. I've been in HR and talent development for a long time, and I've seen the trends kind of go back and forth. And there was this trend where people were working from home and there was this big movement. And then quite a while ago, Sheryl Sandberg kind of mentioned that, you know, she came in and had everybody who was working from home come into the office because she there was this whole idea of productivity just tanking when you're at home. And then for our, our business, March 13th, we did a test day where we said we're going to test if, if everyone can kind of be on the network and we sent everybody home and we didn't bring anybody back. At that point, it was like, look, we are sheltering in place. We're changing the way we do things. And you mentioned an interesting word that I think is key is trust. It It is really important that when you think about trust, trust is a two-way street, right? So I trust you, you trust me. We earn that trust. There's a, a responsibility to maintain that trust. And so what we've seen is managers, our leadership really have to has to, to think about trust in a new way. I have to trust you as someone who I've hired, that I've worked with to do your job, to be productive. And then as an employee, I am going to reward that trust with actually working and finding new ways to work. So I think when I talk to people and we've been having the discussion of what can you do from a kind of a work from home situation, when you talk to managers, when you talk to employees, it's not going to look the same way for everything, everyone. So you have to figure out what are those things that, that work for you. For some people, you have to think about how many people are, are at their home right? Do you have small kids? I've got people in our organization who have adult kids, right? Or college kids who, are, who have come home. That's going to be a different dynamic. How many people are working in the home? How many people are looking to be on Wi-Fi? If you've got two people and students who are all trying to be on Wi-Fi at the same time, how can you structure those environments? We hear stories all the time of people working in closets and pantries and children's bedrooms. So there's quite a bit of flexibility that's going to come. So the first thing I tell people is just understand that you're going to need to be able to adapt and be flexible. As we all know, you're going to have internet issues. You're going to have, you know, calls are going to drop. Be flexible. Think about when you work best and how you can work best, whether that is getting up early in the morning or working late. And so there's going to have to be some changes there. And, and then have more conversations. I think the, the thing that everyone had worried about, about working from home, was that you're going to go silent and you're not going to be doing anything. You're going to be watching Netflix or kind of hanging out. And the reality is, for those of us who've been working from home, you're probably working more hours. 
you're probably talking to people more because you're on more calls and you're trying to figure out what's going on. And that's what happens is that those lines of communication have to stay open and you have to have conversations about what to do and when are we expecting those things to be delivered because you can't see people and you can't have the casual walk by or just ask someone. And so you're finding that people are doing creative things like I see in our office all the time. I'm invited to virtual lunches. Right where at noon or 1130 or whenever you have your lunch, one, people are getting on a call and they're eating and they're catching up. We're also encouraging people to block out key time, you know, get away. We're telling everybody, you know, you, you, got, you can't just sit at your desk when you're used to getting up and walking around. You've got to get up, get some exercise, take care of yourself, be healthy, do those things that are going to add energy. And we think about, you know, the extroverts who want to be out and about and the introverts who have a smaller group that maybe they can't get connected with. We also encourage managers to have conversations and more check-in. So I guess ultimately what I'm saying is in this work from home environment, it's about connecting more and not less. Avoid any opportunities to be isolated and keep those lines of communications as open as possible and get a comfortable chair. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about this too. And I think this is going to be an incredible challenge for companies going forward is how to balance this because right right now, a lot of the companies that have gone to work from home, well, they've already had a lot of connection with people that have been working there. They've been in the office, they know each other and, you know, working through Zoom or from home is, is a little bit easier for them to do on a short term basis. And you think about trying to onboard people and bring them in and you can do it. It's just going to be a tremendous challenge. And I think some companies will probably swing the pendulum too far and, and they'll try to do too much work from home and not enough connection there. And some other companies won't, won't get with the new times and go right back to what they were doing. So this is going to be something that will be really interesting to see over the next few years, really, to see how this all shakes out. Craig, I, I think you're exactly right. And you have to be sensitive to the type of business. Right. So we've already looked at how do we continue doing the things that we think drive our company? And as as an engineering and electronics manufacturer company where I work now, our people are number one assets. Right. This is our, our, our brain power, our talent. And so we're still looking. We're, we're still going to onboard people. We're, we're still hiring where it makes critical sense. We're bringing on interns and we'll have virtual internships. And so we're thinking, how do we get creative about growing the people? And like I said, it means for me, it means more hours. I'm I'm on the phone or kind of on on our, our video conferencing platform with APAC two or three times a week, making sure that our team out there is growing, that they're developing. We're still looking at how do we grow your career? What are the classes that we need to start thinking about? that are going to push us forward. We say when we come out of COVID or or just when we move our business forward, what are they going to be the new markets that open up? And a lot of that is going to be for us where it makes sense to, to have our people at home where it doesn't make sense. Like our manufacturing plant, to your point, we've got to get really innovative about how we keep our people safe. And so there's a lot of challenges, which is kind of exciting. And it's also, there's, I'll be honest, there's a little bit of fear you know, how do we do this in a way that honors our people? As Christians, you want to honor God as leaders. And so there's there's a lot to do. I read an article about how CEOs, particularly in the financial sector, 
having now been forced to spend more time with their families. Maybe God has something to do with that. I don't know. But but now the article is talking about how they're all rethinking work-life balance, both for themselves and for other people. As we start to move towards the end of our time together, uh, I did want to just ask how you are sort of managing that. Like, has there been any revelatory moments like, oh, this is I should be doing this different. I should have been doing something different a long time ago. And, and is there anything that that's going to change about how you lead your people into the next season? Yeah, I, I think there's been quite a number of lessons learned. So one, to your point, we've got executives who are home more uh, and who are seeing what happens when they've not been around. And that has opened up the eyes. There's been some some questions. Oh, so this is what's been going on. There's been, you know, just some new dynamics. I, I think some of the things that that we've seen a lot of, I'll talk about two. One, more compassion for a diverse set of family dynamics and challenges. And so it's opened us up to understand that there are just different perspectives and people are dealing with different things, whether you're talking about someone who, you know, is a single parent and they're trying to manage their child's education while working full time and you know, some people have more help and not. There's just a lot more compassion about those environments now. I also see that people have an opportunity to spend more time with their family. And where where that's been most evident is that we tend to create this separation between work and home. And so we step into the office and it's it's, you know, all you see is our work cells. We may talk about our family a little bit. Now, because you're working at home and you're often on video, and that's important, being on video is really important for kind of building that connection. We understand that, you know what, your, your three-year-old might run into the background of a video, or you may hear somebody calling for mommy or, or daddy. There are going to be disruptions, and sometimes in the middle of a meeting, you need to step out. And what I've seen is that we have been more understanding of the way that our family life intersects with our work life, right? And and I think that, you know, we, we spoke about earlier what might continue. I'm hoping that that continues because that makes work a more inclusive, more integrated, and honestly, a safer environment for our employees, an emotionally safe environment. So I think that's what we've seen. We, we're understanding each other more. We had a leader who said, for anyone who's worried about, you know, your kid screaming in the background or your roommate, you know, yelling or something, don't worry about those things. And if you need to take care of that, go take care of that. Because this is the environment that we're in. And we want to care about you as a person, not just someone whose sole purpose is to be productive. And I really want to believe that that's going to continue going forward. Yeah, I'd just jump in and, and say I totally agree with what both of y'all said. And, and when, you, when you think about work life, I mean, you only have one life. You don't, you don't have multiple lives here. You don't get to have a work life and then a family life and then a home life that are separate. I love that. They're all integrated. They're all – and the key to finding work-life balance is understanding that, that, that they should be supporting each other. Your work life should support your family life and it should be integrated in a way that brings both of them up, that, that creates, at, that adds value to both. In the same way for your, your family life and, and your home life, that should be, it should be supporting your work life. And sometimes that means that you've got to make decisions which way or another you're going to, you're going to prioritize in the moment or, or in the week or 
or even in the month or, or further along. But And so you've got to pull a little bit in one area to support the other one. But neither one of them are worth more than the other because they're both the same life. And so, you know, I think we're learning that a little bit more with, with some of this working from home and, and, and executives are learning that as well as, hey, we can't, we can't ask them to pull away from, from their family life right now or, or at any time that would hurt that family life. So we'll see how that part shakes out. You know, what, what I think about moving forward what, what I want to make sure that I take is really I, I, I've become more thankful for the sacrifices that our people are making. I've become more thankful for how much they put into the job, everybody across the board. I mean, we've had so much sacrifice from our people to come in every day and to uh, deal with what they're hearing from the media and from their families and still coming to work and, and, treating our guests incredibly well and putting in a ton of effort and having to wear masks and having to change gloves between every guest. And it's been quite an experience for them. And I'm just incredibly thankful for the people we have that, you know, obviously all of us, our people are our biggest competitive advantage. What I've learned is we just have, we've got great people. I just know moving forward, I won't forget that. And I'm going to continue to be thankful for them. That's awesome, Craig. I love hearing that. I love hearing your heart expressed. And I love that thought that that really it's one life. I remember kind of going through a season where I was in the, the corporate workplace, if you will. I had spent six and a half or so years in full-time ministry. I'd spent 10 years in insurance and, and then was considering, you know, com- coming back to ministry as a vocation. It was really kind of a two-year journey from some of the initial conversations until I, I made the jump to leave the Hartford and to go to work for Mosaic Church as, as a vocation. And during that period of time, one of the things that God had to do inside of me was to help me understand that who, who he's called me to be is sort of a separate issue from where my paycheck comes from. I had sort of always held the mindset that, you know, the people who work for a church full time and and derive their income from that, those are the people that are pastors. And the Lord took me on a journey to to help me understand that he had made me to be a, a pastor, a shepherd of people, irrespective of where my paycheck comes from. And so I had to go through this process of really fully embracing the fact that, God made Nathan Brown to be a shepherd of, of people while, you know, my income was coming from the Hartford, while I was spending, you know, most of my time during the week handling insurance claims and in people's homes. And it really adjusted how it, I was an adjuster. It adjusted for me what I was doing. Actually, when I would go and meet with people, I, I walked into their home, not as their adjuster. But as a pastor who was also going to be doing some adjusting and helping them with their claim. And and it really uh, sort of changed my whole life. My dad had said to me at one point, you know, hey, the, the people you really got to pastor first are those other five people that live under your roof. Right. And so it's 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 pulling all of that together where, you know, and now I, I sort of see myself as who I am. And, and, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to spend most of my time pastoring people at Mosaic Church. But if the job wasn't there, it wouldn't fundamentally change who I am or how I approach the world. And and so if I found myself back in insurance or in some other industry that I've never considered, I would be a, a, a shepherd unto God and for his people doing other things. And I would take that with me. And so and, and that's that's sort of just my real short story of 
whole life inclusion. I'm, I'm one person. And, and what I do is an outflow of who that is, whether I'm, I'm at work doing businessy things or doing pastory things. Of course, in the church, it's, it's another kind of unique conflation there of both business and ministry. But I, I just sort of was determined to just be one person and be the best person I could be in whatever place that God put me in. And so I think that's a little bit what you're saying. As we start to close up here, I would just love if each of you, because you're such amazing Christian leaders, faith-filled people, if you could just offer a word of hope for those people who are feeling a little hopeless. Maybe the job has gone away. Maybe the, the job has changed. Maybe the pay has been cut and they couldn't afford the pay cut. I'd love for you just to exhort the people just a minute here and, and, and remind everyone that there is some hope from whatever perspective God has put on your heart. I want to honor people who are struggling in this time, but I also do want to encourage them that you are not forsaken nor forgotten. And I want these words not just to be words, but to to really try and sink in. But all things work for the good of those who serve him and are called according to his purpose. And I bring those up because this can be a very challenging and frightening time. But as we focus and seek God first, this can be an incredible time of moving into a purpose, into a calling, into reforming who you are in Christ. There's an opportunity here to be retrained, to do that thing that that God has been building and putting on your heart. The other thing I want to encourage people with is that so frequently we get caught up in the busyness of life, and sometimes we are forced to slow down. And while this may not feel like a, a slow down, I have to appreciate the fact that I am incredibly blessed that I am here quarantined or sheltered in place with my family. And I have gotten an opportunity to spend more time with my young son than I ever would have before. And so here is an opportunity to hold on to and spend time with the ones that you love, the people who are in your life, to connect with people. Because I promise you, if you find yourself underemployed, this too shall pass. This this will be but a blip in the overall landscape of your life. So take advantage of it to seek him, to spend time where it matters, uh, and to move into the into the place that God has called you to be. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I agree that that's, that's where our hope is, is that we know that God has, has plans for us, that he's got a place for us, and that if we just trust him, that, that it will happen, that we will get there. I mean, I mean, when you look at, we're all in a different situation. I mean, all of us are in different situations, and some are, are certainly more dire than others. But we're a community. And I think as long as we stick together, you know, this podcast is for the Mosaic community. And as long as we stick together and if you need help, ask for help. I mean, there's many people out there that are in a position to help and will jump at the chance. Uh, Just remember that you have community, that that you have options out there that are available to you and many people that that are just ready to help. And I I believe that we're going to get through this together. I believe that right now, hopefully, is the darkest time that, that we're going to see. And, and I believe that even though it's going to be painful and, and it's not going to be easy, but I, I, I see us getting through this. 
And I see this as in many ways, as Clyde has mentioned multiple times, this is an opportunity. Look at this as an opportunity for you to find your calling, to find where you need to be, to uh, find a new beginning and some renewal in your life. And, and also some perspective on what's really important. You know, your family, your community, your, your walk with God and your relationship with Him. Well, I love that. And I appreciate you taking time to be with us today. I know that um, people will be encouraged just to hear from you, if nothing else, the faith in how you lead and the fact that God is still using you in the midst of this time and, and that you are people who are leading people. And and I hope that that gives us hope. We, we may not even know who God has out there making decisions on our behalf, but there are many people in leadership positions that are seeking God, that are reaching out to Him, that are caring about their people. And I have to believe there are far more people at this time that are worried about the people than the bottom line. If nothing else, we know that God himself is concerned about you. So I hope that you've been blessed and encouraged to hear a little bit behind the scenes about what's happening in business, but also know that these people and many more of us are praying for you. I do want to echo what Craig said. If you are in need of help, reach out. We've established a care team and a distribution center at our church. And if you have any needs at all, you can simply go to our homepage, mosaicchurchaustin.com. Let us know what kind of needs you have, and we may be able to fill those needs for, or at least connect you with someone who can. So don't suffer in silence in this time. If you need help, reach out. We have counselors available on staff to talk through difficult things. We have supplies and staples that we can help provide if you're having a hard time putting things together at home and, and having everything that you need for your family. If you need help, reach out. In the meantime, we're going to be praying for you and your family that God be glorified in this season and that you will come through better on the other side of it. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Tuesdays Are For Talking. For more information about how to get and stay connected to us, head over to mosaicchurchaustin.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We hope you'll make plans to join us next week.